Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here at OneChurch.tv, and I uh, am excited uh, to be with you guys today. Uh, we have been going through the book of Malachi, uh, and uh, uh, it's been an interesting journey, to say the least. Um, Malachi is one of those uh, books in the Bible. In fact, it's the last book of the Old Testament, and it's one of those things that pulls no punches. So, if this is your first time with it, uh, with us here today, uh, you're kind of coming on the like three out of a four part series, and you can go on to the One Church app and you can listen to the first two. And uh, I just want to kind of bring you up to speed of where we've been so far. Uh, again, the book of Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, last book of the 39 books. And uh, it's, uh, a, it's named after a guy by the name of, anyone want to guess? Malachi. Thanks for coming to One Church. Uh, Malachi is talking to God's people. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, it's not a feel-good book. Uh, in fact, if you leave, uh, uh, you know, after listening to Malachi or reading Malachi, and you're like, "Oh, that was awesome," uh, you're living in denial. Uh, so um, it's one of those things that God was speaking through a guy by the name of Malachi, and uh, he is expressing uh, his disappointment in the choices that they were making. What made God frustrated is the choices they were making was not lining up with their beliefs that they said they believed. They believed they had 99% pure beliefs, uh, but their choices and actions weren't matching up uh, with their beliefs. The first week, Carlo taught us uh, that the choices they were making when it came to the priorities were half-hearted, they were lukewarm, and they were giving leftovers. God had invited them to go all in, but they really weren't ready and really even really weren't willing. So they were holding back. And we discovered in week one that God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants us. He wants us. Week two, Carlo looked at the choices and the choices that were making uh, that pretty much made them hypocrites. And again, if this is your first time here with us at OneChurch.tv, you're like surprised you're even here at church because you think the church is full of hypocrites. And I get that. But they were specifically talking about the choices they were making in their home life. That that made them out to be hypocrites. That what they were saying they believed and what they were actually doing didn't match up. In fact, Billy Graham once said it this way. That the true test of a Christian is how one lives at home. And I believe that is exactly right. Carlo urged us not to be hypocrites, but especially uh, when it comes to our spouse and to our families. Now, a hypocrite is as a word that we throw around a lot, but many times we don't know the actual meaning of. So I want us to define that some today, because it's really going to set us up for going through Malachi chapter 3. The word hypocrite simply means bad acting. Can you say that with me? Bad acting. Now, you can look up any... Uh, you can look up the Greek word hypocrisy, bad acting, in any Greek dictionary, uh, and this is the picture that you will see. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, you're already hating on me because you're Twilight fans. And let me say this. You're probably a Twilight fan because you read the books. So if you read the books and you love Twilight, listen, we're good. I ain't hating, all right? But, I'm just, I mean, when, this, this lady here has her depth of emotion. In fact, let me just show you all the different moods of Kristen Stewart. Let's look at that. She's five movies, she has one expression, and here it is. Right? 
All right? That's just the facts. All right? This isn't even an opinion at this point. All right? I mean, it's just like, really? Um, So here's the thing. Unfortunately, when it comes to being a Christian, many of us, we are hypocrites. We're just bad actors. We say that we believe in God, but we live our lives like God doesn't exist. That's what it means to be a hypocrite. Someone came up actually for a name for this. It's called being a Christian atheist. A Christian atheist. Now, what is a Christian atheist? A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives their life as if God does not exist. Did you know that 94% of Americans claim that they believe in God, but I can tell you 94% of Americans don't live as if God really exists. Today, we're talking about the hypocrisy of Christians. And I'm just going to hit the pause button. Today, I, I, I like Carlo, okay? He's probably not listening, so I'm safe, and this is just keep this between us. He, you know, he, he wanted to go through the book of Malachi, and he's going to say, I'm going to do one, chapter one, I'm going to do chapter two, and I'm going to do chapter four. Chris, you need to do chapter three. Now, let me tell you what chapter three is about. Anybody want to take a guess? Money. Right? So um, I, I, I'm struggling with Pastor Carlo right now anyway, because I would rather talk about anything else than money. And here's the reason why. In fact, I was, I was doing a, a, a premarital counseling appointment in my office this past week. And one individual said, the reason why I don't go to church is because the church, the only thing they care about is my wallet. And that's the perception that many times the church has given. And I'll be the first to say, you know what, that, I don't believe that is true, but if that's their perception, they got it from somewhere. So I hate talking about money because I don't ever want to put people who are on the fence about God uh, to, to say we're only interested in their wallet. So if you're not a Christian today, if you're not a church person today, you can sit back and you can tune us out. In fact, you can tune me out. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch the Christian squirm today. Because the, as I've been processing through this, as much as I don't want to offend a non-Christian as we talk about money today, let me tell you what should really offend somebody who does not know Jesus is when they look at a Christ follower's life and say that they're sold out to Jesus Christ and they love God, but they act as if God doesn't exist when it comes to their money. That should offend them. So as we're processing through this, I just want to say, if you're not a Christ follower, you're off the hook. You get a free pass. This teaching isn't for you. But for the rest of us, this is going to be a difficult subject to, to really broach. And let me tell you, the reason why it's difficult for me is because for so long, my wife and I were disobedient when it came to giving. We've been married almost 25 years now. And the first 14 years of our marriage, we said, you know what, we could not afford to give God really hardly anything because we weren't making enough. And this, is, this wasn't, well, I was here at one church. I was at a different state, a different church. And we, the whole point is it was an excuse. We made excuses not to give to God. And I'm going to share with you, since right before One Church started, we've been able to be consistent in our giving. And I'm going to kind of give you our secret sauce for that. But the way we live our lives represents what's really true to us and what really means a lot. This is what it says in Luke 12, 34. For wherever your treasure is, somebody say treasure treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. 
Do y'all remember uh, the the wallet chains? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Um, some of you may have some of these, and some of you you have them because you know you, you maybe you ride a motorcycle and you you, you kind of want to make sure it doesn't. I get that. All right. But if you are, if you have a wallet chain. And the only reason you have is because of the friends that you're hanging out with, so they won't steal your wallet. You might want to change friends. Just give me a heads up. But here's the thing. Here's what we're going to be looking at today. That what Jesus is saying, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That what Jesus is saying in this verse is that your wallet is tied to your heart. That how you spend money determines what means the most to you. That whatever you're passionate about, that's what you're going to spend money on. Jesus is saying this, that you can gauge your love and your passion by your pocketbook. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, many of us say that we trust and we believe in God. But our bank statements say otherwise. Our heart is here in our wallets and our dollar bills and not so much with God. But you see, one of the things, and you live your life as a Christian atheist, your money is tied to your heart. Giving is always tied to loving, and the more you love, the more you will put God first in everything. You will give first to God. Now, I'm going to get to Malachi in a moment, but let me show you this God-first approach and how it's found all throughout the Scripture. Colossians chapter 1 talks a lot about Jesus being first. In fact, as I read this, every time you see the word first, I want you to shout it out with me. Can you do that with me? All right, here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He existed before God made anything at all, and he is supreme. Now, here's the cool thing. Supreme is just a synonym for to be first over all creation. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. So, there is no beating around the bush here. Jesus should be what? Exactly right. The Bible says that Jesus should be first in everything. But here's the reality. Is that when it comes to our finances, he's usually in last place. Let me explain just for a little bit. There are essentially five ways that you can, anything that you can do with your money. There are essentially five things that you can do with your money. The first one is spend it, right? Now, we're all pretty good at spending it, aren't we? We can all say yes on that. And the second way that we can spend our money is we can repay debt. Now, repaying debt, depending on how you spent or misspent your money, right? Then the next one is paying taxes, and hopefully you're going to do that. April, 1, April 15th is coming around, and if you don't pay your taxes, what happens? You get in trouble, and that impacts the first two, your debt and your spending. And then the fourth way you can deal with your money is do what? Save it. Hopefully you'll do that. And then number five, if we have anything left over, we what? Give it. Now those are basically the five things that we do with our money. And for most Americans, this is our order of our priority. Priority number one, spend. Priority number two, pay for things that I've already, I can't afford, I've already spent. 
Party number three, oh yeah, I've got to pay my taxes. And if there's anything left over, maybe I can save some, but probably not. And if there's anything left over from that, I'll give a couple of pennies, a couple of dimes, quarters, nickels, 50 cent, who's a, you know, whatever. So I can give to my community, my local church. I can give to charities. I can give to Manic Cafe. I can do whatever it is, all right? These are the five things that we can do with our money. And essentially, this is the order. This is our priority. Now, let me re-go through uh, this list one more time, and let's put a different spin on it. The first one is me. When you spend it, you are focusing on who? Me. Now, if you repay debt, you are fo- focusing on who? Me. And then the third one is America. That's paying taxes. Fourth one, saving, is me. And then the fifth one is God. So if I could paraphrase this, the five ways that we spend money, the first one is me, the second one is me, the third one is we, America, paying taxes, the fourth one, me, and then the fifth one is God. Now, anytime we go me, me, we, me, God, let me tell you what we do. We put ourselves first over everything. We are me first. And that is the exact opposite of what we read in Colossians. The problem with this is from a Christian perspective, we essentially put God last. God gets the leftovers. And if I haven't spent it all, and if I don't owe it all, and if the government doesn't get it all, and if I don't save it for myself later, if there's any leftover, God, here's what I'm going to give you, and you should be grateful. Here is my leftover. Now, in spite of all of this, in spite of our priority of God being not first place, but fifth place in all of our lives, when anything hits the fan, when anything blows out, when anything does not go well in our lives, we will not hesitate for one New York moment to go to God and say, God, please help me. God, please, I can't pay my bills. God, please, this person's sick. God, please, my, my mom, my, my daughter, my son, whatever that looks like. God, please, I'm not doing well in my job. Please help me. But God looks at this, and I'm thinking if I was God, I would be going, why am I going to help you? Because you've pretty much shut me out. The me-first approach shifts God out by placing him last. Let me say that one more time. The me-first approach, putting me, me, we, me, God, that me-first approach shifts God out by placing him last. And think about this. Let's go back in this, these five different things, how we spend our money. The first one, we spend it. We have a habit there, don't we? The second one, by paying back credit card debt, we have a habit here. And the credit card company or somebody else forces us to have a system to support our habit. you got to pay X amount of dollars, a minimum amount, every month. The government forces us to have a system when it comes to paying our taxes. Paying our taxes. Fourth, our employer many times forces us to have a system of saving, whether it's a 401k or anything like that. And fifth, when we give to God, if there's anything left over, this is totally random. It's totally random. We've not created a habit. We've not created a system. And, and then we say, God, if I have a little bit left over, if I have any money at the end of the month, I will give it to you. Now, here's what we're going to discover from the Scripture today. The way you prioritize your personal finances represents either an invitation for God to work in our lives or a cancellation 
for God to work in our lives. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you, and I can't see you, sir, I'm going to have to hear you. How many of you want God to work in your lives? How many say, yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you want God to work in your lives, then how we prioritize things will determine whether or not we invite God to work in our lives or we cancel God working in our lives. And throughout the entire Bible, the way we, and here's the word we want to always kind of focus on today, prioritize our money represents an invitation to God or a cancellation to God. The priority system is a cancellation of God working in our lives. The me, me, we, me, God. And what we're going to be looking at today, that if we reprioritize this, if we flip that list, if we put God first, what that inadvertently does is it invites God to move in our lives. And God will intervene and do some amazing things spiritually physically, emotionally in our lives. That's what we're going to be learning today from Malachi chapter 3. Now, before we dig into Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to give you the big idea. Here's the one point that we get from this scripture today. The big idea is simply this. The choices we make with money reveal how much you and I, what? Love God. The choices that Chris makes with money reveals how much I really love God. Don't answer. How, really, how much do you love God? Based upon how you spend your money. You see, many of us, we cut God out when we give Him the leftovers. Now, Malachi. Malachi is this prophet, and he's talking to his people, the Israelites, specifically the spiritual leaders of the Israelites, and they're kind of bringing the leftovers to God. And here's the point of this message, and here's what I want you to listen for as we start reading Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. It's the issue of priority. These people, yes, they were giving, but their priorities were upside down. And we're all of us, he's going to invite all of us to flip the list. This is what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. So that's God talking to his people. And then God says through Malachi and to the people, Now, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Look at this. <clears throat> He's saying, you've scorned me, you've not listened, you've not obeyed, but if you return to me, then what's going to happen? I will return to you. There's a cause and there's an effect. Return to me, and I will return to you. God is saying to his people, I would love to move in your direction, but I am waiting for you to move towards me. I would love to move in your direction, but I'm waiting for you to move in mine. Verse, keep on going. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how can we return? So the people in Israel, they would say, return to God. What, what does that look like? What do you mean return? And this is what God says. What should you, should people rob God? Yet, you have robbed me. To which they say, what are you talking about? How have we robbed you? What do you mean? What did we ever rob you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. So, if we can all say this. 
say the word tithe and offering. I'm going to explain both of those right now. Because so many times when we, and, and the word tithe is not something we really throw out a lot. It's not something you probably say unless it's, a, when it's connected to some type of religious institution. The word tithe is a Hebrew word and it literally means 10%. So when he says, you have been robbing me of tithes, you have been giving, but you've not been giving the way I've asked you to give. Giving is no longer a priority, and in that way, God says, you have been robbing me. So tithes is, is, is the 10%, and the offerings is anything you give over and above that. Now, God had set up a deal with Israel back in the time during Moses. God said, look, if you honor me, I'll honor you. If you honor me, I'll honor you. You honor me, I'm going to protect you from all of your enemies. If you honor me, I'm, your crops are going to grow bigger and faster and better than everybody else. If you honor me, you will be victorious in battle. If you honor me, you're going to have lots of babies. If you honor me, the whole world will look at you, look at you and go, Whoa, who is their God? And at this time in their history, they had drifted away from honoring God. God and his law was no longer the, here's the word, priority. Malachi 3.10, and here's the command. Bring all the tithes. What is a tithe? 10%. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And what he's saying is simply this. Quit skimping off. Quit spending it all. Quit using it all up. Quit put use, <clears throat> using it all on you and the me, me, we, me. And if you have any left, you give it to God. I want you to bring... I want you to talk. I want you to talk to me first. I want you to give to me first. I want you to give a percentage to me first. And if you do, what's going to happen is that there's going to be enough food in the storehouse so that God's will could be done. He says this: If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing. So great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And then God says this, try it. Put me to the what? Test. <clears throat> this is the only time in Scripture where God says, test me out. You, 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 my name is on the line here. My character is on the line here. And I think he does that in such a way because he knows when it comes to money, this is the hardest thing about really going all in in the Christian life. You know, it's amazing. God gives us breath. He gives us life. He gives us talent. He gives us ability to make money. And really, because of that, he says, it's all mine, but I don't want it all. I am asking for a percentage back. Malachi says this. God has promised that if you honor him, if you honor him, he will honor you. If you move in his direction, he will move towards yours. God has promised that if you will prioritize his kingdom, prioritize his deal, he will take care of you. I, I love this. When I, I was in Savannah, Georgia about a month ago doing a wedding <clears throat> in the hotel that I was staying at, it's called the, the Planters Inn. And I did not know this. This was the coolest thing. On, on, this inn was actually built on top of the ashes of a famous preacher by the name of John Wesley. He lived there. It was his parsonage. And I've actually told this story for decades now. And inadvertently, I was there at this spot. Somebody, he's, he's driving in his carriage um, uh, one night. And somebody comes to him and says, 
uh, Pastor John, uh, Pastor John Wesley, your house is on fire, or your house is on fire. Come quick. And John told the prisoner, uh, you're, you're mistaken. It's not my house. It's God's house. And if God wants me to stay at a place tonight, he's going to have to take care of it. You see, John Wesley knew something that you and I many times don't know. That when we prioritize God, we are giving him an invitation into our lives. And when something breaks, when something messes up, he takes care of it. It's like this. Some of you know. How many of y'all have ever rented anything? Let me hear you. All right. So if you've rented a house, if you rent an apartment, when, when, the, when the faucet breaks, you got two choices. You can go to Home Depot or Lowe's uh, or um, uh, you can go on. The, what's that uh, place down on the riverside? Cumberland City. To, what am I thinking of? Hardware City. I'm pretty sure that uh, Jimmy Hoffa is buried at Hardware City. Uh, and it's not, I love Hardware City. They've got everything. You ain't got to wait for them to order it on the internet. They got it all, and they got it stuff everywhere. It's a, it's a great place. So here's the thing. You can either go to Hardware City, Lowe's, or Home Depot to be able to purchase it and fix the, the, the pipes yourself. Or a smarter decision is you call the landlord. Because he owns it. He comes, and he will fix it. And get this, he will fix it for free. Why? Because you don't own it. He owns it. You see, some of you, you have been owning your life for a long time. You've been owning your husband. You've been nagging him to death. You've been owning your wife, and you've been gritching at her. You've been owning your kids. I mean, you're acting like they are yours. And when stuff gets broke, you try to fix it. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, you can fix a dog. You can't fix a spouse. You can't fix a son. You can't fix a daughter. But if you live, if, if you give that your spouse, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your job, if you give it to God and say, God, you own it, and I'm going to act like you own it, and when it breaks, it, you have to fix it. Let me tell you, my friends, he will. And I am living proof of that. I am living proof of that. Now, when you hear this message like this, Here's what many of you have already written me off. You just hear something that says this. Somebody wants my money. Somebody wants my money. God says to the nation, and Jesus says, as we're going to see in a minute, this isn't about getting your money. This is about getting your heart. This isn't about getting in your wallet. This is about getting your heart. That's what this is about. This isn't about getting money. This is about putting God at a top priority in your life. And what he's saying is this is about getting your devotion. God says, I want to be number one. God knows you and God knows me, and he knows that our issue with number one isn't between us and, and isn't between God and Satan. No, no, no. It isn't thing, it's between God and our finances. It's it's the me, me, we, me, God. I spend it all on me. I spend, it, I, I, I spend it all on American Express. I spend it all on MasterCard or Visa or Discover. And then I have to pay taxes. And then I usually don't have any money to save, and I definitely don't have any money to give God. But just know this. The choices you make will determine how much you love God. So God says to the nation, I want you to move in my direction. How do we do that? By putting 
God first financially. God says, I want to bless you, and I want to come on strong on your behalf. But in order for that to happen, you have to prioritize me in the realm of finances. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing. Look at this. So great, you won't have, what? Enough room to take it in. That's when I want to say, try it. Try me. And that's exactly what, what God says here. Try it. Put me to the test. That is a promise. He says, test me. Put me first. Move in my direction and watch and see what I will do. Now, that's Malachi. Now, some of you are going, well, that's just Old Testament preacher. You know, Jesus, he doesn't say nothing like that. Are you sitting down? This is what, <clears throat> let me just say this. I need to see if I got enough time. I got a little bit of time. Let me tell you what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, you've heard it was said, but I say. He says this, you've heard it was said, do not kill, but I say. You know what, every time he puts out the Old Testament law, he said, you've heard it was said, don't kill. And then he says, but I tell you that if you just get angry at somebody, you've already killed them in your heart. You see, Jesus never lowers the standard. Guess what he does? He raises the standard. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Yeah, that's right. Adultery is bad. But Jesus says, I say that if you, are, if you even look at a woman or a man lustfully in your heart, you've already done it. You've already committed adultery. You've already done the deed. So he doesn't lower the standard. He raises the standard. And we believe that. He says that over and over and over again. But somehow, Christians, when it comes to giving... We go, oh, no, that's just Old Testament. Right? That's what we do. And let me tell you, this is Jesus talking. This is red letter in your Bible, if you've got your Bible open and you can see it. All right, Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. In other words, there's only going to be one, number one. Who's going to be first in your life? Who's going to be the priority? For you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And God says, you know what? Either you're going to be, either I'm going to be number one on top of the list, or you're going to be number one on top of the list, but it even makes it more specific than that. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, the competition isn't between God and the devil. The competition is between God and what? Money. God says, look, I'm either going to be at the top of your list, as it relates to your personal finances, or I'm going to be at the bottom. There's one extreme or the other. And isn't that kind of how it looks when many of us want to serve God? We pray and we raise both hands. Some of you were going for it, and you're singing, and we, we open and we read our Bibles for the first time, but still there's this sense in which God is number five. But we expect him, when, when we cry out, we expect him for us to be his number one when he's our number five. And and Jesus says, that's a problem. That's a conflict. For me to be the master and the ruler and the savior of your life, you've got to put me first in every area. And not just your prayer life, because that's easy. But your personal finances. Let's skip down to verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Now let me read this a different way. Remember that list, the me, me, we, me, God? 
let's, let's take the word W, the we here, and I want you to flip it up and let's make it an M. What shall me eat? What shall me drink? And what will me wear? You see, it's me, 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 me. And I'm worried about number one. That's why I'm at the number one. I'm at the top of the list. What will me drink? What will me eat? And what type of shoes will me wear? What type of purse will me buy? I mean, and what is all the other purses the other we's are buying? And that's what me is going to buy. It's all about me, me, me. And I'm just amazed by this. Jesus says, you're so worried about this stuff, you're worried about it, that you've put you at the top of the list and me at the bottom. And he's going, look, people who don't even believe in God have that priority. In fact, that's what he says in verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers, people who don't even believe in God. But your heavenly Father already knows all that you, what? Need. Here's a verse you've heard a thousand times. But this is a verse that's tacked on to the end of this conversation about stuff and money. And here it is. But, what's that word? But seek what? Well, we're going to say this one more time because I want to make sure. Some of you already think you're already angry at me. Don't get angry at me. Get angry at Jesus. Because Chris did not write the Bible. Some of you angry. Well, this is all about, you know, one church and their needs. Listen, if you don't trust us... Go to another church and give to that church. I mean, and I, 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 I'd love for you to stick around. If you, if, you want, if you want to know how you can trust us better with your finances, we will do whatever we need to do so that you, we can show you that we are taking God's, we're being a good steward of the money that you have given us and that God has given us. But here's the thing. He says this is all about priority. But seek first my kingdom. And my righteousness and all of these other things will be added or given to you. That is a promise. In other words, Jesus says this. Here's what I want you to do. Prioritize me by turning the list upside down. Turning the list upside down. I want you to put God first. I want you to seek me first. Why? Because our treasure is is tied to our what? Exactly right. If you want to know how much you love God, only thing you got to do is look at your pocketbook. Now, before I give you a system of being consistent, because we talked about the first one's a habit, spending, spending all of our money, that's a habit. Then the second one, repaying debt. That's a habit that the credit card system gives us a system of paying it back. And by the way, the system they give us, if you give them the minimum payment every month, you will never pay that joker back. That's a promise. All right? Um, third, paying America. We. Paying taxes. April 15th's a coming. Right? Don't pay your taxes. I'm more than happy to visit you in jail. Fourth, we want to save And then fifth, we give to God. Now, before I talk about this, let me give you a snapshot. A snapshot of how we're doing as a church financially. Again, are y'all sitting down? I'm sorry, you sitting down? I can't see you. All right, here we go. Look, here's the first one. 50% of households here at onechurch.tv give less than $50 a month or $600 a year. I'll say that one more time. 51% of the households 
to give one church gave less than $50 a month last year or $600 a year. Now, let me say this. If you're making $6,000 a year and you're giving $600, are you being obedient or disobedient? Obedient. So I want to say, if, if I've just described your situation, you have no guilt. In fact, I don't want there to be guilt anywhere. I just want us to start doing what God is calling us to do. Because let's not say we love God and then give, our, give a middle finger to him when it comes every time the bucket gets passed around. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning. So y'all aren't with me this morning. Is anybody here? All right. Here's the thing. $50 a month. I dare say that most of us probably get paid more than $6,000 a year. And I'm just simply saying, when you do that, you cut God out of your life when you leave him the leftovers. My son, Walt. He's now working at El Bracero. He's working part-time. He's making more than $6,000 a year, and he gives. So it's one of those things, let's don't make it about, you know, 51%. That's just amazing. I'm going to keep on going because I'm going to freak out. All right, 24% of households here at one church gave between $50 and $200 a month. That's between $600 and $2,400 a year. Now, again, if you're here and you're making $24,000 a year, and I know for some of you, that is exactly where you're at. I just want to say thank you for giving. Thank you for being obedient to God and giving a percentage. By the way, an E1 in the Army makes $18,194 a year. And I know some of you, that's, that's where you're at. But again, let's be honest. Most of us aren't. Now, I want us to combine one and two. And here, here's the realism. 75% of households gave less than $200 a month, a total of 17% of our total offerings. So three-fourths of everybody in this church gives less than $200 a month. And that constituted less than 20%, 70% of our total offerings. Now, some of you say that if you're a Christian, when it comes to manage your money, you're just simply an atheist. You say you believe God, but your actions don't follow it up. You're a Christian atheist when it comes to dealing with your money. You're robbing God, and it's that simple. It's that simple. Why? Because the choices that we make reveal how much we love God. And honestly, the fact is, many of us don't love God very much. I, I share with you, the first 14 years of our marriage, my wife and I gave hardly anything. And every time, I was on staff at a church, I wasn't the pastor, but I was on staff, and I remember every time the pastor preached on a tithing sermon, I was just like, oh, dang it. Because we knew we should be doing something. But we didn't do anything. And we felt so guilty, and Kim and I would go home, and we would fight, and we would talk about it, and we would kind of make a plan, and we never followed through. Because we didn't create a system. Now, I'm going to simply say this. Some of you are going to give the same excuse that Kim and I gave. That here's the excuse. Some of you are going to immediately give the excuse that if you had more money, you would be more obedient. And let, let me simply say, no, you wouldn't. That's a lie. Because if you're not willing to give a percentage when you're making 6000 a year, you're not going to be willing to give a percentage when you're making $60,000 a year. Here's one of our core values here at OneChurch.tv. And it's Generosity. There it is. Generosity is, isn't a financial issue. It is a what? It is a what? 
heart issue. You see, rich people aren't generous. Generous people are generous. Why? Because it's a heart issue. Why? The choices that we make with money reveal how much we love God. So you think if your plan is to get, once you become more rich, that you're going to be able to give more and you're going to start being obedient? No, you won't. Last statistic. 25% of households here at OneChurch.tv gave more than $200 a month. And let me tell you, that constitutes 83% of our total offering. So we have 25% of our people giving almost 85% of everything that happens here. And if you gave a percentage here at OneChurch.tv, let me just simply say this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient to God. Thank you for trusting us as your church, not only with your soul, but with how you give. But for others of you, my challenge is so very simple. Start giving a percentage. And here's a system that I've learned. I have $10 here in my hands. All right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten. I can count. Thanks for coming to one church. Now, <laughs> thank you. Here's my plan I want to give you. Here's a system I want to give you. When you have ten dollars, the first dollar you give to God. First, not as a leftover. You do it first because it's an act of faith. It's believing that he is going to do something and he's going to give you enough money at the end of your month. So the first dollar goes to who? The second dollar goes to you saving. So you have a savings account. And you put a dollar in there just for a rainy day. So when the brakes go out on the car, so when the transmission goes out on the car, so when uh, the kid uh, you know, breaks an arm, or whatever that looks like, you give to God, you save, and by the way, how much do I have left? Thank you. And guess what? You live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. That we're going to spend, we're going to live on $8 of your paycheck. Uh, 80% of your paycheck. Give, save, live on the rest. Can you say that with me? Give, save, live on the rest. One more time. Give, save, live on the rest. Now here's the kicker. You know, the band was going to come out today and I was going to, uh, we were going to end with a song. We're not going to do that. And here's the reason why. is because we say that we love God and we'll sing about him all day long. But for 75% of us here at OneChurch.tv, our givings tell that we don't love God. So let's just don't, let's don't waste our breath on another song. Here's my challenge to you. And it's the thing that helped my wife and I. Because I am the pastor who said, I am not perfect at this. I have messed this up rurally for 14 years of our marriage. So I'm going to share with you how Kim and I have finally gotten over that. And that we are consistent every single time in giving to God. And it's simply this. We automate the important. I'm going to give you two ways that you can do this. Number one, 
how many of y'all got your phones? Do this with me. All right, cool. Now, thank you. I thank you for the flashlight. All right, right now, this is, this is on our app right now. Does everybody have our, if you've had the app downloaded, do this with your phone. Let me see you. All right, that's four, y'all. The rest of y'all need to download our app. Some, okay, some of y'all turned on. Oh, that's me, Pastor. All right, I had to turn off Candy Crush. All right, here's our app. And if you go over one, two, three, four, there's a little star. And you can click give. You can click give. And there is an amount right there. You can put in the amount. And you can choose on here, do I want to give a one-time gift? You can do that, but I would encourage you not to do that. Because if you, if you don't, you're not creating up a system of you being faithful. The system that my wife and I have created is twice a month, I get paid twice a month the first and the 15th so on the third and the 17th we have an automatic draft come out of our checking account you can do that through the one church app you can do that through the website you can go to onechurch.tv and go to the give tab and you can set it up and it takes about four to five minutes but it creates a system for you to be obedient it creates a system for you to put God first. And that's what I'm challenging you to do. I'm telling you right now, I'm, just t- I'm going to be honest with you personally. I, as a church, God has blessed us so far this year. We're in our third month. And uh, man, we are. It, 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 I'm preaching this message not because we are in dire straits of money. We're not. I mean, we would always love to be able to give more to Bold and get into a building faster. But I'm telling you, God has given us everything that we need so that we can be able to reach people for Jesus Christ. So this isn't a ploy for me saying, hey, I need, we need your money. <laughs> I'm only teaching this message because Carlo made me. Because he gave me this daggum week in week three. Because Malachi chapter three this is what it says. And again, if some of you are here and you're like, I don't like you, Pastor, because you're talking about money. Take it up with Jesus. Because this isn't about me and this isn't about us. This is about your heart. And whether or not you like it or not, this is tied to this. Because you can't serve both. You're either going to serve money or you're going to give God your heart. What are you going to do today? Now, we've already taken up the offering, so I'm not even asking you to give more. I'm just asking you to dwell upon that. And my challenge is for you to create a system so that you can be obedient to God. Are we cool? Are we cool? Does anybody need a hug after this? I do too. All right. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, this is rough. This is rough. And it's rough for me. It is, God, because you know for the longest time I have failed you. I have failed you. And as much as I would like to go back and and to make up lost time and to be obedient, I can't. I can't, God. But what I can do is stop making excuses now. And Lord, that's exactly what I pray for our people. Lord, because this isn't wanting something from them. This is wanting something for them. God, I pray 
that our church would be more obedient in every area that you call us to. In giving, in talking to other people about you, Jesus Christ, in serving, in reading our, our, your word every day, in talking to you, God, in obeying our parents, in honoring our parents, and whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. God, I pray that we would be an obedient church because that's the church that you will bless. That's the church that you will use that will change this community. That is the church, an obedient church, is the church that you will use to draw people to you, to make your name great because your name is great. So God, I pray if there's anybody here that feels beat up, what I pray, this isn't about guilt. This is about removing excuses and being obedient. I pray that we could do that. For it's in Jesus, great big name that we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today at OneChurch.tv. Make sure to come back for next week, for the last week, week four of Malachi 99% Pure. We love you guys. Thank you.